Father God, may the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart, be pleasing to you. May you bring your spirit among each one of us today that we might hear what you have asked, want us to hear and that we might go and act in the way you have called us. In Jesus' name, amen. We, last month, for those who were here, were thinking about what it meant to be amazed by God. We started with the idea of being amazed by grace. And we thought about being amazed by love. And then also amazed by peace. And in one sense, this, this series that we're looking at this month, which is a little bit disrupted for, for several different reasons, continues on that same idea. But the theme that we've put for today's service is redeemed from fear. Redeemed from fear. Let me unpack that a little bit more as we carry on. But the sermon today, if I were to put it in a nutshell, is this. So I'll say this now and you can stop listening after this. Um, it's not what you are afraid of, it's what it does to you. It's not what you are afraid of, it's what it does to you. I know there'll probably be a many a bloke in this room who hasn't been to the doctor for something because they're afraid of what the doctor might say. Or there might be, that might be very sexist, there might be women that do the same. But there's that fear, isn't there? If we don't go, we don't know, and therefore, everything's all right. Is that fair? Yeah, some of the women are nodding. We don't know, we don't know, we don't know what's wrong. It's not the fear of the doctor, it's the fear of what the doctor might say. If I would give you an example of my own family, and I'd just ask you not to go and talk with this with Barney, because um, it's lovely, I'm still at the age I can talk about my children, they won't know, um, because their internet activity doesn't include going on the church website to listen again to sermons, don't know why. Um, but anyway... As a family, we, we enjoy going swimming. We've been going on and off on a Friday afternoon, not so much recently, to good old China Fleet and, uh, and enjoying being family there. And there's, has anyone been down the swimming pool at China Fleet? You know the flume? It's a great flume, isn't it? I've been down it once or twice, that's enough. Um, and Joe likes going down it, but from a very early age, even when he was tall enough, Barney, my youngest, refused to go down there. Absolutely refused. When he was four, his statement was, when I'm five, I'll go down. Well, on his fifth birthday, when I'm six, I'll go down. And now he's six, what do you reckon he's saying? When I'm seven, I'll go down. Now, the other day, when it was just Joe, Barney and myself, Barney was really brave, and he said one of the things that scared him was how high it was. So I said, right. Let's go together. We won't go down the flume. We'll just walk all the way up the steps, walk back down again like a bunch of loonies, but walk all the way up the steps and just stand there and wait. Now, he did this. And you're expecting me to say, and he went down the flume. No, he refused, point blank, and still refuses to now. But on Friday, we said something to him that made me think about this sermon. You see, in one sense, yes, there's a fear of something. But the reality is the fear is making him miss out on something we know once he does it once, he'll love. The fear is stopping him from enjoying life. And enjoying life 
in its fullest in that moment and at that time. And I thought, well, what about myself? Well, do you know, myself, I think it's a fear of failure. A fear of failure as a minister, as a husband, as a dad, as a human being. And sometimes, particularly when I think of being a minister and the fear of failure, it stops you from pushing things, from seeing that you need to push the boundaries out a little bit more to discover what God is saying and what God is doing. And if you're fearful, you just, let's stay as we are. Let's not do anything about it. Because if I don't push, if we don't seek a little bit more, if I don't just, you know, play devil's advocate a little bit, that actually we're safe. But actually the reality is that fear stops me from doing what God is calling. From what God is calling of me as a minister and what God is calling of us as a church. And this is where our psalm that Jane read comes in today. You see, David's rebuttal to all I have just said already is in the very first verse. In fact, I could have just asked Jane to read the first verse and that would have been fine in one sense. Because, Paul, can we just put up that slide? Because in that first verse, there are three key points that I've highlighted. The Lord is my light. The one who guides. The one who shows us the way. Who's gone already before and helps us in our fear to, to walk that way. And my salvation. Tim's got to go now to operate on the line. <laughs> and our salvation. That's our hope. That even in the, the difficulties of moments, we have a hope that is secure, that is deep. That actually whatever the future holds, we will always have God's hope. And David says, whom then shall I fear? And then goes on to say that the Lord is my stronghold. Stronghold, the the one which supports you, the one that is always there, that holds you up when you fall down, that won't let you go any deeper than you can already be. Whom shall I be afraid? You see, and fear brings the complete opposite to those words that I've highlighted today. Fear is not about guiding, it's about discourse, about going the wrong way, about worried about which journey you're going to take, not taking a step forward because of fear. Fear doesn't give us hope. It gives us hopelessness. Fear doesn't support, isn't our stronghold. It goes to drag us down, to make us no longer trusting in God. You see, in the rest of this psalm, David lists his fears. He's fearful of his enemies. He's fearful of death. He's fearful of God not listening. He's afraid of rejection. Those aren't ancient issues, are they? <laughs> They're probably, if we went around the room, we could find several people that actually we could, we could get a full set between us of those things. We're afraid of those who are against us. We're afraid of death. We're afraid of God not listening to us. We're afraid of rejection. You see, let's put some context to why David's writing this. David is either looking back on his time or is in the midst of fleeing from Saul. He's scared. He's worried. Someone that he looked up to was after his life 
a friend, his best friend's dad. And the interesting thing that commentators will want you to see here is David doesn't ask in any part of this psalm that uh, God would smite his enemies or God would, would make his enemies stumble or fall. He asks quite clearly that God would shine a light into his situation and to guide him out of this darkness, to guide him out of the fear. You could split this psalm into two, the first six verses being David's confession. Um, I'm often told by some in our congregation that as Baptists we don't do confession very well or at all. Um, and that's a fair point. Um, we can't all be average at everything. There are some things we need to fail in. But David confesses. And then the second half is a prayer that God will use him. God will use him despite the fears. Verse 11 says this. Teach me your way, O Lord. Lead me in a straight path because of my oppressors. Because of my fears, because of the things that scare me that I'm fearful of, lead me. Lead me. And I think that psalm, or that moment, is twofold. Firstly, lead me out of them, that I don't need to face them anymore. But secondly, because of my fear, make me stronger. Because of the things that I am scared of, that I am worried about, make me stronger. Let me explain that a little bit more, and I'm going to use little Barney again. You see, for Barney to say, lead me away from my fear, is for me to take his hand and take him back down the steps and to never go near that flue ever again. That's leading him from fear. But another way of leading him from fear is to help him work through it and eventually get to the stage where he can go down the flue and he can see that it was not worth the tears and angst of doing it that it gave life to the fool. Can you see the difference? The one says, God, lead me out of the situation. And one says, God, that despite my fear, I want you to strengthen me so that I can face it, so that I can be stronger because of it. And this is what it means to be redeemed from fear. Not that just fear goes and that the situation disappears, but because of the fear, because of the fear of failure, because of the fear of worry, of angst, of what might be. God turns our fear and makes it a strength. Makes it stronger. The fear is more than God. God has used it to face whatever our fears are. Not to walk away, but to become stronger. Let's go back to my idea of my fear of failure. To walk away from failure, and failure is always an interesting thing when you talk in terms of ministry, because there's no, you know, when I worked in retail, failure was you didn't hit your key KPIs. We all have our KPIs. Um, Mark, what are they again? Key points? Thank you. I see several people know KPIs. And you measure failure on whether you have hit your key performance indicators. And when I was in retail, we had about 14 we had to meet. And, and you knew whether you were failing or not because of that. When you're talking a Christian life, we don't have KPIs, um, thankfully. <laughs> As a minister, 
I don't have KPIs. You may be surprised to know that the leadership team don't sit down with me every month and go, right, Tim, how many converts have you had this week? Or is the offering up or down? Right, how are you going to do? We don't do that because we live by grace, first and foremost. Graham might be doing it, our treasurer. But we live by grace. You see, the fear of being a failure as a minister is that you just walk away. And you kind of go, there might be some difficulties, there might be some troubles, but we just walk away. Whereas actually what God is saying is, despite those fears and the failures, you need to step out and just trust me. And even in those moments, I am your stronghold, your salvation, and your light. You see, David eventually faced his enemy. He faced his enemy, Saul, and that's a story for another time. But I would say he was a stronger person because of it. He was a stronger king. David could have run away, never to face Saul again, to go and live life in obscurity. And he would have been poorer for it, and we would have been poorer for it. The call to be redeemed from fear is not to run away, but for God to use that to strengthen us. Because God, with David, led him, gave him hope, was his stronghold. Whom then should he fear? And if God is our, the one who guides us, is our light, the one who gives us hope through salvation, and the one who is our stronghold, whom then, what then, should we fear? The answer is nothing, isn't it? The answer is nothing. There's no points for that today, I'm afraid. It's clear, it's obvious. But it's one thing to say it, it's another to live it, isn't it? How do we live knowing that God leads us? Well, through prayer. Through prayer. And don't always expect the big booming voice, because that only happens in moments. But through prayer, maybe God's Spirit is leading you, convicting you, putting a passion in your heart, making you realise more and more you need to face something. But I also believe more and more, no, not more and more, I also believe that God uses increasingly others in our lives to help us, guide us. One of the joys of being called into Baptist ministry wasn't that I woke up one morning saying, I fancy being a Baptist minister. The hours look good, an hour on a Sunday, that's all. The pay looks amazing. Something not said ever. Um, it's easy. No, it's because others saw in me something that at the beginning I couldn't see in myself. And as I went through for interviews, others had to affirm what they believed God was saying. My church had to affirm that they believed there was potentially a call on my life for this kind of ministry. Others are important. That's why it's important to be part of a worshipping community. That's why small groups are so important to the life of any church. It's in those moments that others can come alongside in a different way and see what the Spirit is saying. How does God give us hope? Well, I believe God gives us hope that we can come out of these situations stronger. That Christ's death on the cross helps us to realise that even the thing that we probably, if we are honest, fear the most, death, cannot be defeated. 
that God's love is stronger. And to know that nothing we face, as Romans 8 says, nothing uh, in life or death, nothing created or uncreated can separate us from love of God. That's how God is our hope, our salvation. And God is our stronghold because we can rely on Christ. We can rely on our faith. Where all else fails, where things are not, where things are taken away, God is there. God is always there. Maybe with our fear today, we need to, using a very old Baptist, or very, no, very old church term, we need to name it and claim it. We need to say, this is my fear, God. And I want you to use that fear to make me a stronger person for your glory. By praying, by knowing God's hope, by knowing God's salvation. Maybe as a church, our fears of what the future might hold we need to name it and claim it. We need to say, this is what we believe God is calling of us. And boy, it looks scary. <coughs> but actually, God's going to make us stronger because of it. What does being redeemed by fear look like for you? Look like for this church? David ends this psalm with these words. And they're good words for us today. Wait for the Lord. Now I'll just add there, it sometimes seems like we're waiting forever, doesn't it? It seems like we've been waiting for a lifetime. But God's ways are his ways, not our own ways. Wait for the Lord. Be strong. And even in those fearful moments, take heart. And wait for the Lord.